It's the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gallagher, Jr. We appreciate you listening and being part of our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know uh, what you think. Uh, you can email us at onlyoneshotgolf at gmail.com. Catch us on Instagram at onlyoneshotgolf. Uh, you can contact me on Instagram at GallagherJR and on Twitter at GallagherJRGC. And uh, we appreciate uh, all you listeners and uh, look forward to hearing uh, from you and letting you know what, uh, what you think. But today, I've got a special guest, Thomas Watkins. He is a dear friend of mine. His, son, his dad was the uh, uh, PGA Junior National Champion, played at Ole Miss, great player, owns golf courses here in Mississippi, is Mississippi Golf. Thomas is a top 50 U.S. kids instructor. Uh, we look forward to listening to him and some of the ways he's getting kids involved and his junior program and how he's growing the game. So uh, we're going to try to get him on the line, and uh, let's get him on there. All right, I've got Thomas Watkins on the line. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for calling me and giving me the chance. Well, we're looking forward to it. I've known you since, uh, gosh, I, well, you were born, actually, so known you a long time your dad and i were great friends still great friends played the tour together uh you know what was that experience like for you growing up with your dad uh being such a great player and so well known and respected uh in in mississippi it was honestly it was really neat uh it was pretty cool um going all the places he went and uh and just you know knowing some of the people that he met and uh i was able to go on some of the trips with him to when he was a tournament director at the viking it was it was a pretty neat experience honestly what were some of those those lessons what were the biggest lessons you maybe you took from all those experiences with your dad love what you do okay um you know he he loved whatever he was doing whether it be owning a golf course playing or being a tournament director he loved what he was doing he was very passionate about it and was dedicated to that and that that stuck out to me and it really you know, imprinted on me as a young, a young kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it stuck out, you know, once I graduated college, you know, I kind of had that same mindset, but. Right. But you started out, as I recall, racing motorcycles, which I didn't know what the heck you were doing there at a motocross or something, but (laughs) what got you into that? Um, dad. Well, so I started sports wise. I was playing soccer and, uh, little league baseball and, uh, you know, I love to kick the ball. I could kick it pretty far in soccer, and then baseball is a really good pitcher. But I didn't like the ball being thrown back at me. I could understand that. Um, <laughs> so we knew that was not going to be my sport. Okay. Um, and then you know, Dad never really he never pressured golf on me. Okay. He he wanted me to do whatever what made me happy. And then one day I was just like, you know what? Uh, you know, golf sounds pretty good. Um, let me try it. But the dirt bike thing, that was that was that. He did that as a kid. He did? I didn't know and that. He did. Yep. He had dirt bikes with he and David Timms and his brothers. They all used to ride in their neighborhood. Uh, I I got the adrenaline rush from him. Okay. I loved the adrenaline rush. Yeah, and one of your uh, uncles was a fighter pilot. Uh, so he, he yeah, is. That, was a little more He's of an adrenaline rush. <laughs> <laughs> That's what your dad well, says. <laughs> that's right. But I love the adrenaline and the and the speed and the smell of all the fuel and stuff of racing dirt bikes and had one bad wreck out in Texas at a big race and I was like, you know what? 
I don't think this is going to be for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to be evil can evil, did you? No, no, I'm pushing my luck. I, I never broke a bone doing that, so I, I got out while I could. Yeah, exactly. That's a you were a smart boy. That's no question. And a smart guy, <laughs> man, as you've turned out. Yeah, that's well. You know what? That's that. That is. I mean, it's an adrenaline rush. You said with the with the motorcycles, but golf, there is an adrenaline rush uh, when you're in contention. Hundred uh, percent. You know, you played a lot of junior golf. You've you kind of were at the beginning of when things really kind of, to me, transformed into what it is now. When your dad was growing up in Mississippi, there were maybe six or eight, you know, maybe ten really good golf courses, and they were just small country clubs. We didn't have Old Waverly and, and yep. Fallen Oak and all the golf courses like that, and, and Annandale, for that matter, uh, had just started yep. in the late 80s. But, uh, you know, tell us what your junior golf uh, was like growing up or just playing in Mississippi and, and, and that just in general. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, for me, um started when I was 11. And, you know, <laughs> pretty rare, the first year you start playing to make a hole-in-one. Okay. That was that was pretty cool. I was out here at Whisper Lake playing with a buddy. And um, I bladed a five-iron on number 11 out here. And <laughs> it hit the stick and just dropped straight down. And you were hooked. I was hooked. I was like, that was the coolest thing ever. And then they put it in the newspaper. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, so as a kid, you know, and back then when newspapers were a big thing, you know, everybody read the paper. Right. Now it's not so much. You know, Mr. Black, dad's, you know, old business partner, he still reads the paper. Um, but, you know, it's just not as common. But back then that was, that was such a cool thing to happen and to see it. You know, I wanted it up in my room and, um, it was just really, really cool, and living in the neighborhood of Whisper Lake and having access to Whisper Lake and Annandale uh, made a really big difference in my golf passion. Okay. You know, I was able to practice at both courses. Annandale was really good working on my drivers and my long irons um, because you got to be able to drive the ball well out there to play well. Yeah, and for and those and, and for those listening, yeah. I mean, completely different golf courses. Uh, Whisper Lakes, what par sixty three, sixty four, par sixty four, yeah, yeah. And uh, Annandale had the Viking Classic, and you know, you know, I, I guess you would call it regulation, whatever. But Whisper Lake, the, yeah. the concept when your dad came up with it, I thought he'd lost his mind. But once you get out there, <laughs> you realize it's a cool concept. Two par fives. I, yep. you know maybe a dozen or half a dozen par fours and rest par threes but it's a great variety it's great for kids to grow up it playing, is don't you think yeah it is it's short enough where they can still score and i was able to make some birdies out here at whisper lake and that you know helped my confidence and then you get a whole lot of short game work out here at whisper lake because there's 10 par threes you're not going to hit every single green mm-hmm. And so you got to be able to chip and putt the ball well, and that helped carry over to other courses such as Annandale, where I couldn't reach the holes. So I was relying a whole lot on my short game to carry me through around and take buddies out there and just have some competition. And you know, my buddies were all playing baseball, and they started, you know, trying out golf and made the golf team together. And you know, it was, it was fun, competitive atmosphere. And then that bled into Miss, you know, MJGAs, and I think Jigga was the first junior tour that i played okay jackson junior international golf i think is what that was um and then mjga and then um did you play traveled. did you play any sjgt's uh i did okay. sjgt was was probably my favorite tour outside of the state um sjgt it was just kind of it was it was so welcoming they played really good courses i played a tournament at um 
in Vestavia, mm-hmm. Birmingham, Alabama, and lost to Smiley Coffin in a playoff. Wow. Um, it was it was just really cool. You know, it's, you still get some great competition. You know, Smiley went on to LSU, mm-hmm. great career. On the tour, you know, he's one of the final groups at the Masters. You know, that's pretty neat to think. You know, I was on I lost in a playoff to that guy. Yeah, because Todd Thompson's yeah. been on my podcast, and he started the SJGT. My girls played it. Mary Langdon loved it. She just she was one of those kids yeah. that kind of started playing competitive golf late. Uh, yep. Loved soccer like every other kid. Loves all the sports and basketball. But kind of the last couple of years of her high school, she just wanted to try to gear towards maybe playing college golf. And that was a great tour, two-round tournaments. Uh, like you said, very yep. welcoming, good golf courses. Uh, and, very good. And you can drive yep. to a bunch of them. And they just do a great job. They run it just about as good as anybody. But They do. You know, yep. it's just really cool. But, you know, your dad won the PJ Junior National Championship uh uh, and then went on to Ole Miss, played the PGA Tour. Was there pressure to follow in his footsteps? Or, you know, how did you handle those expectations that maybe others put on you because you were Randy's son? Yeah, that's the thing. So, Dad never – he never pressured me into anything. Um, and I, I loved hearing people tell stories about him playing and the great player he was. And um, I think that pressure was mostly when I got to Ole Miss. Okay. They are like, all right, now he's made it to Ole Miss. Can you can you beat what your dad did mm. and go go past that? And um, I trying not to think about it much as a college kid. I was trying to figure out you know how to live up there on my own, mm-hmm. trying to get in, the, in my own routine. Um, but I never felt like I had that the hunger to get that far. Okay, I, I loved the game. I still do. I still love competing more mm-hmm. than anything in the world. I compete with all my juniors that I teach because it's it's just fun to compete. But I never felt the hunger to, to need and want to be out there on the tour because it was frightening to me. Okay. And I, I, I was scared of the monetary aspect of it. Just the pressure of playing for a living. Uh, yeah. yeah. Having, yeah. It does... Having to play well enough to survive. And, and I, I like knowing I was going to have a job mm-hmm. where I could still be part of the game and I can still compete at the same time. Yeah, that's smart because not everybody makes the tour. I think everybody has this dream when they're a kid and then they get to college and find out, whoa, there's a lot of good players here. And there's yeah. and it, it's a full-time job in college, especially now. Uh, even when you were in school, I mean, the workouts is keeping up with your grades and the travel and qualifying and all that stuff. And, and, yep. and for some kids, it's just as like, hey, this isn't really what I want to do. I, I don't. Ha- I love it, but I don't love it. Uh, and I, yeah, I th- it's a mindset. Yeah, is what I kind of figured out. You know, like I love. I I could compete with all the guys on the team. Me and Jonathan Randolph were short game buddies. Mm-hmm. Like we were on a team together when we had short game contests against everybody else, and that was really cool. You know, he was the head. You know, head guy on the team. Really good guy to look up to. Also, off off of the course. Um, just a good friend and guy that really kind of showed me a lot. And, um, but being with those guys, knowing I could still compete with them, but the enjoyment factor, if, if I had thought that I was wanting to play on the tour, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Right, right. A lot to be said about that. And it sounds like you just love to be around people in a team atmosphere. It sounded like that's yeah. right. and that's And my son Thomas was just like that. Just as soon yep. be with his buddies, having those little – short game competitions, but you mentioned that with Jonathan. I mean, and there's some kids listening to this and parents, I mean, when you're, and it kind of gets into something we're going to talk about later, but I mean, for kids, 
and, and even college kids, how important is it to have those little competitions to kind of stay sharp? Oh, it's huge. Because if you don't, if you don't have that, then when you get on the golf course, you, to me, it's a focus is a different focus. You know, once you, once you compete with your buddies, you're still competing, but your, your mind is freer. And then, if, but if you're by yourself, you might be putting too much pressure on yourself and not having as much fun. And then you go on the golf course, then that pressure gets to you there. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you compete with your buddies and go on the golf course and do it there too, it's just, you're free. Your thoughts are clear. Your spots are better that you're picking out. It's just, it's kind of a fine tuning moment. That's how it was for me at least. Right. Well, that makes a lot of, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I had a lot of, Jim Farrell, who was the pro at Crooked Stick, played the tour for years back when they had Monday qualifying, and that's one thing he he stressed to me. He says, "Get out there and have a little competitions with your buddies. You know, go out there and yep. have a you know eight iron chipping contest or putting. You know, try different things." And and I think it's yeah. so important. We tend to like, uh, and VJ Trolley and I always kind of go back and forth on sixty degree, fifty eight degree wedges. But you've got to be able to use different clubs around the greens and different shots. And I think those are part of those little competitions you talk about that really kinda allows you to practice those with just enough heat in it. But yep. but Tiger Woods was the best that would do that and then put it into play. A lot of us were always yeah. afraid to do that. But it's uh I think it just keeps you sharp. It's anything that kind of keeps you, like you said, still having fun. But a little bit yep. of a competition to put just a little bit of pressure on you to make you. I think the key word is you said focus and, and, and free yep. at the and same you're being, time. Yeah, and you're being creative at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know. very wise. Uh, I need to come down to your with you to give me a lesson then with your junior clinics. <laughs> I don't know if I can focus that long anymore, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep it short. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very short <laughs> uh, short theater. Uh, you graduate from Ole Miss. You decide to get in the family business, but you don't go to work for your dad right away. You, I think your first job was at Oxford Country Club. Was that? Am I correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. What'd you, yeah, what, for Larry. Yeah. What did What did you do there? So I started there as a cart boy. Larry Britt was the owner. Okay. Uh, I think it was a it was a team of them. Larry and he had a few other guys in in his family with him. Um, fantastic guy. Ricky Hamilton was the head pro at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Ricky. I liked how he did things. He was very just kind of straightforward. And, but I started as a cart boy and I kind of just wanted to work my way up if I could. You know, if the uh-huh. opportunities were there and met a lot of great members, uh, kind of took me under their wing, let me play with them. And Ricky noticed I was playing a lot and, and I could play. And he asked if I had any interest in, you know, working in the pro shop. And I was like, yeah, you know, ultimately I'd love to you know, be in the ownership side of it with my dad, but I, I'm trying to, you know, I want to learn all of it. And so he, he let me go in the pro shop and work with Todd Ogborn. Todd was a great guy to work with inside. He taught me a lot, uh, a lot of customer service, mm-hmm. you know, inside the shop rather than being outside where I was, you know, meeting members of their cars. It's a different greeting when you, when you're inside than outside of the car, you know, um, kind of buttoned up inside okay Um, but it was it was good good lessons and then running tournaments and um ricky let me help with some junior you know his summer camps that he was doing Mm -hmm. and then we started doing some after school classes on wednesdays um i loved those and then uh two and a half years into that um dad calls me and said, hey, I got a spot opening up at Wishful Lake. You want to come down and be the assistant? 
uh, and uh, take care of the juniors. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely. I so, think that's I th- that was smart of your dad. I, I mean, he you wanted to get wanted you to go learn from someone else to see what it was like to be on your own. And, and not that your dad, I mean, your dad's kind of like my dad, that old school, that he's over you, and, and yeah. you're not really getting to learn from somebody else. You, you got, And that would be very difficult. It was for me sometimes when my dad was teaching me is separating dad from, you know, instructor. Uh, with, I, right. I think the same would be like dad versus <clears throat> my boss. Uh, right. And, and I think that would be a – but I thought it was a great move to put you in, in charge of the juniors. But uh, uh, what was that – I guess that transition, like going from, you know, kind of the carts and the inside pro shop to mainly the teaching side of the golf business. It was, it was honestly really smooth. Um, I came, I can't, you know, I moved down, worked in the pro shop at both Whistle Lake and Lake Caroline. So I got to see a bunch of different clientele and, uh, luckily it's the same, you know, point of sale system. So that was great. And then, once I got out of the pro shop and started teaching full time, really that was about this past January we made that transition. Um, it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, uh, you, teaching full teaching full time. Yeah, because you're you're, you're a US kids yeah. top fifty coach. That's an amazing feat. That's just you got to be proud of that. Uh, I love every second of it. Could not be more thankful for US kids golf and and Dan Van Horn and Jim Hardy and those guys all that they do and that they do for the game and the kids and even us coaches. It's been great. But did you guys, I can't remember, did you guys have a PJ junior league, uh, before that? We do. Yes, sir. You do still do. Okay. I think yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool concept, uh, for kids, maybe like you and Thomas, who just like to be around other kids and like that team atmosphere. And Oh yeah. I, 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 well, I would have eaten it up as a kid. Yeah. Cause I actually I covered, I covered the national event. It is amazing how good those kids are and how much they love being part of a team. Yeah, they get fired up and pump each other up and uh, just taking the pressure off of hitting their own ball and, you know, maybe disappointing their parents or something, you know. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, and they hit a bad shot and then they have a partner. Right. The partner can pick them up and then vice versa. They might make a putt on the, on the green. So it's really awesome. I always do a, a spring, summer, and then a, a fall league. I got a fall league that starts in November. We play November, December. Okay. And sometimes bleed into January just to keep them playing longer. Sure. And, um, let some of the older kids join them. Well, that's cool because I, uh, one thing I, I, I do know, and your dad was big about that, and, and more clubs are more like this, uh, but Whisper Lake, Caroline, Patrick Farms, they're all very welcoming to junior golfers. Uh, yeah. and, and I think it's so important where a lot of times it's just the parents, and I'm not picking on parents now, but they just dump the kid off to club, the pros, the, the, the rec center, and he's the babysitter for the day. Uh, but right. I, I just think it's, it's so welcoming for the kids and that's how you grow the game and get yep. more future members is they feel like, Hey, if we can go to the club, we're not getting pushed out of the way by the, by the grownups and, and they're welcome. Uh, and they got to, right. they've got to understand the rules. I mean, that was, that was one of the things my dad always did. I, I, we talked to guys who now are my age in the fifties and go, man, senior, if we had to learn a new rule every week and if we didn't know the rule, we couldn't play. I mean, he was, but he was teaching and that was his method. And I can guarantee every one of those 50 year old or older guys or guys that went through his junior program, know the rules, know how to, you know, respect the game. Because uh, the game's changing, and we, we've loosened, loosened up the way we play and approach it, and everything. I mean, you have to because it can be a boring unless you truly love it. And we want to get more people playing, but you, yep. know, you you talk about the U.S. kids, uh, and I, and my kids started it. They have an incredible fitting system. Um, oh yeah. How are you able to put your their program 
and kind of take us through fitting the kids and ages if you can. I know uh, there's a lot of variables, but kind of take us uh, through their fitting system. And for some of the parents listening out there, got some kids uh, starting to begin. Yeah. So if they don't have clubs, we have a measuring stick that we use. And uh, I stand their kid up next to it, and it tells me where they are on the stick and what color. And that tells me what uh, size clubs that they would need. And I, I can pull it up on the U.S. Kids at, uh, website and show the parents this, this is what they would measure for. I can order those for you, or you can go to either Evan Watts or wherever, or even online and order them if you'd like. Um, and then if they're a beginner, we call they start in like level one, mm-hmm. either ages five to eight or nine to 11. Uh, level one, it's a very beginner, easy to learn step-by-step process where we teach them the grip. Um, we call it hot dog in the bun, okay. or full swing. Um, and then it kind of breaks it down into letters and brushing the grass and showing the shoe where they can, they really turn through it and get that either right or left foot rolled up where you can see the bottom of it. Um, just good commitment on the follow through. Um, and it's just, it's just really great. Level one is for the beginners. Those just getting started. And then we start them off with some game based learning, mm-hmm. like tic tac toe putting or chipping. Um, and then we get them in the bunker. Level one, they don't hit the ball. They just worry about hitting the sand. We call it splash the sand okay. out of the bunker. Just the same. Same form as the, that they would hit a pitch shot, which is more just a little bit over ten yards off the green. Mm-hmm. So then they got to follow through, splash the sand, and show the shoe. Um, give them good technique and pumping that sand out of there. Um, and then if for them to level up, there's level there's they just added six through ten, but I stick to one through five mainly. And the idea is if you get a kid. Through level five, you've got a golfer for life. That's what I was going to ask you. What do you do when you get a kid that really shows a lot more, maybe not so much, I guess potential would be the word, uh, but yeah. skill levels are a little bit higher. Do you separate those from the other kids, or do they just keep moving up that system? I do, yeah. So I separate them into a different class. So I've got roughly three classes a day uh, right now, Monday through Friday, and then a couple on Saturday mornings where I'll have like levels one and two, ages five to eight at 3.30, and then at 4.30, I'll have levels 3 through 5, and ages 9 to 11. Okay. And then I'll have a girls-only class after that, and so on and so forth. I separate them, kind of divide them up throughout the week, where they all have multiple chances to come to class um, based on their other schedules. Yeah, you mentioned girl-only, and I think for a lot of the young girls out there, parents of girls trying to get – it's a little uncomfortable at times being around the boys uh you know at that age the boys are pretty immature and they're pretty immature as they get older as well definitely (laughs) but uh you know and it's like for my girls they had to play on the men's team or the boys team uh yeah so they had to be around it but i think it's cool to get other girls involved and i noticed uh, there was a video of your dad uh yesterday or the day before whatever (laughs) he was out there with a bunch of little girls i mean that just you know blesses my heart to see them and them having fun because a lot of times, you know, as I've been reading, I mean, the girls and the women are one of the fastest growing segments in golf. Uh, yeah. And you got to get them where they're comfortable being out there, other women or girls to play with. And it's so important. And I, I think that's cool. Yep. That you And you eventually put them in there with the guys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they, they can come to any class 
but if they want to just be with girls, I have that option okay. for them also. I think that's smart because I, I think once they get comfortable, like an Allie McDonald or even Mary Langdon or Kathleen, they get good enough. They, they're not afraid to go up against the boys and, and, right. and, 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 and do that. Because they're good enough and then they know that they can compete with them and the boys are like, wait a minute. Right, yeah. right. I might need to focus a little bit. Exactly. But what, say, how do you keep the, and you've got to have some help. Say you've got, I don't know how many kids are in each of those classes, but you've got to have other instructors and help. But how do you keep them interested and uh, in, in, in maybe not so much just focusing on golf? How do you keep them interested when you've got them out there teaching them? Just is it the games or just constantly changing things? Is the, is the, yeah, uh, so I do, diff- I do different games each week usually. So I try to set up like this past week, I had two things of tic tac toe set up. I have roughly eight eight to ten kids per class, um, and it's usually me and either Ann Carey Swope or I'll have a high school golfer come and help or the assistant here at Worcester Lake so that the numbers are still small per coach. Okay. Um, and then while they're doing tic-tac-toe, I'll bring one of them down to do like a skills test with me. Ah. While the others are having fun competing, doing tic-tac-toe and four corners and, you know, doing some – good drills that they don't even realize that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'll have another kid doing a skills test. So they're trying to stop a ball inside of a circle from 30 feet and so on and so forth. And doing left to right putts, right to left and understanding why they have to aim here. So the ball can end there. Um, but with the U S kids stuff levels one through five, there's, uh, achievement pins. Okay. If they do well enough on the skills test, they can earn an achievement pin. Mm-hmm. So there's a putting pin. There's an around the green pin. That includes chipping, pitching, and sand. There's a full swing pin. There's a knowledge pin that they learn uh, the rules, etiquette, sportsmanship of the game. And then there's scoring. They have to go on the golf course. For level one, they play from 50 yards and try to make a six or better. If they do that three times, they do their, they get their scoring badge. Uh, and this is something that they can put on their hat or like a clipboard at home, or, uh, even on their bag. I've got kids that put it on their straps on their bag. Okay. Something they can it's display. Really, That's something they can show other kids. I mean, you could have yeah. colored hats or, or something, but shows, hey, I got to yep. this level or whatever. You mentioned yardages and, and, and what, you know, you've got kids out there. I mean, when you've got a kid that's I always kind of felt like for my girls – or even Thomas, when they were playing, we kind of moved up and we'd play maybe a par three at, say, 50 yards and then 100 or 150. Is there a certain kind of yardages you as kids or you have for competition with the kids to kind of get them to learn to keep score uh, and keep, you know, other than trying to play the full golf course because yeah. it's pretty hard, tough yeah. on, uh, on an eight- or nine-year-old just trying to learn? Yeah, so for, like, PJ Junior League, we keep it, like, on par fives. We do no more than 225 yards, par fours between 150 and 175 yards and par threes, no more than like 120 yards. Okay. Um, and that's for PJ junior league. If I'm doing my U S kids stuff, I'm taking a kid out there on a course or a group of them. Depending on their level, if they're level one, they're playing from 50 yards. They're going to try to make a six or better. And then if uh, they're level two, they're at a hundred yards, level three, 150, level four, they're from a certain yardage for nine holes. Okay. So you have a set yardage and, and system in there. That's awesome. Cause parents are always yeah. asking me and 
you know, I kind of give him my theory. I mean, I had to pay my kids five dollars to play eighteen holes or nine holes, you know, every time they played. <laughs> right. But you know, that was kind of incentive, like you said, the pins. But a, a buddy of mine was a club pro up in Indiana in Fort Wayne, uh, and he told me. Uh, Gary Ganton, he's had daughters, and he said, I said, you know, yep. and this is before I think my kids were even playing or whatever. I go, what do you, how do you get your girls or how do you get your kids involved? I mean, because I don't want to be the dad, you know, me playing and sissy playing and the success we had. And he goes, well, you know what I did is I told my girls if if they played nine holes, I give them $5. They played 10, 18 holes, they got 10 bucks. And if they hit balls for an hour, they got five bucks, and they just kept a record of it. And so, yep. so I took that, and I thought, that's a great idea. Problem was, uh, I put an incentive program out there that, uh, I didn't think they'd achieve so quite so fast. As, uh, <laughs> right. And if, if say Mary Langdon broke uh, for the first time, broke 90 and then maybe broke 80 and then 75, I double it. Uh, of what Okay. Think, yeah. But all of a sudden she broke 70 and I doubled it again. That <laughs> little piece of, that was a pretty expensive little. Uh, uh, <laughs> that was a pretty good hit. That was a couple thousand dollars worth. But you know what? Just, you know, it wasn't bribery, but I guess it was. But it was that, yeah. uh, you know, it got her incentive to play golf and got her something uh, to kind of work at. Now, Kathleen didn't keep account of her stuff, and she kind of kept wondering why she didn't get paid. And I said, you know, part of the process, you have to keep up with it. I mean, you can't just send yep. me a bill and just guess. i got to have the actual, you know, the things. Mary Linen had the date and the time and all that stuff, or Kathleen was a little freer with it. But it was just fun right. to get them out there and doing it. But uh, Yeah, they still enjoyed it. Yeah, but say you've got a kid yep. that's showing some potential and, and not just, yep. you know, U.S. kids stuff, <laughs> and, and they want to start playing tournament play. How, how do you help the parents or help them uh, kind of guide them into which tournaments to play and, and, and kind of making a schedule for that? Because VJ and I talk about it in the book. It's expensive uh, for yeah. not only instruction but tournament golf. It is. It's very expensive. I actually had a conversation with one of my juniors, uh, George Tickner. He's a very promising young man, uh, about to turn 15, and uh, plays golf in Madison Central. He just he came up to me and was like, hey, can I talk to you about you know college golf mm-hmm. and what I need to do to, to get there if you think I can? I said, George, I think you have all the potential in the world. I mean, you hit the ball really well. You're Club speed's getting faster without you even really trying. The sound is different coming off the face than it was a year ago. Um, and uh, he said, okay, well, what what do I need to do? I said, well, you need to keep enjoying the practice. Mm-hmm. You need to be more selective about the tournaments that you play. You need to get out of the state. Because um, you're, doing, you're doing well in state. You got inside the top ten or top – he was fourth in his division of points this year. Um, and top 10 overall. And I said, George, that's great and all, but you could win, you know, three tournaments in the state and, you know, you still wouldn't go where you would want to go mm-hmm. in college. Wouldn't get noticed as much. Right. Yeah. College, you know, they might, you know, they might give you a thumbs up, but you, you wouldn't get a phone call or a email from them. You know, so you need to go out of state. You need to get some competition, some guys that really play all over the place. And like Strava SJGT, mm-hmm. you know, and he was like, what about AJGA? Everybody says you have to play AJGA. I said, well, that's not necessarily true. You can you can play in one or two of them and be fine. I didn't, I only played in two. And that's when Colonial hosted one mm-hmm. when I was a junior. But I played all SJGT and some of the bigger junior uh, you know, tournaments in the Southeast. And, you know, I did well enough because I knew 
I had a conversation with Ernest. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do I need to do if I want to play at Ole Miss? And he said, well, you got to average. Your scoring average has got to be below 75. And you need to win. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to win on your resume. And I was like, okay. So I got my scoring average down, and then I won the state championship at Tupelo Country Club. Wow. Okay. I remember that. that. year. And then I lost to Smiley in the in the playoff, mm-hmm. you know, that same year. So I was, that was big. And on the way home from the state championship, Ernest called me and offered me a spot on the team. That's that's cool because you know that, that's that's uh, when I look at kids out there and, and they ask you know where should we go play it, it, you've got to learn to win and coaches are now looking at the SJGT more it was the AJGA and they were making kids commit in ninth grade but it's gotten to be a little later in their I think they can't really start doing stuff till their junior year which is so much better for the kids because there were kids having to make decisions in eighth and ninth grade and they didn't know where they wanted to go to school but. Yeah, that was the system. The coaches complained about it, but they didn't ever really do anything about it. And and they were afraid if they didn't do it, they'd lose kids. And kids were afraid if they didn't commit, they'd lose their spot. But and I don't know if you've gotten that way that far with a kid. But say you've got a kid that's uh, really close, maybe getting junior, senior year, probably sophomore year in high school. How how do you guide them on how to choose a college and what to look for uh, in that process? Um, So it's really comfort. You know, it's almost got to feel like you're at home. Okay. For me, that that's that's how I am. I'm real big on if something just if it doesn't feel like I can just go sit and you know pluck my feet up with a buddy, then I I don't know if I need to be there. Right. You know, I don't, I don't like feeling like I need to look over my shoulder. You need to be comfortable with your teammates, with the coaches, um, with the surroundings. You need to love the area, mm-hmm. have more than more than just golf to be able to go do and enjoy. But sometimes you got to have that escape. You need you need something else to to go do to have fun with your buddies. Well, you may miss a trip. You may have to stay home. Uh, yeah, and, it's and, not fun. Yeah, and you may get hurt, and you have to take some time off. So those are, I, I agree. I always tell kids, you know, pick a school where you think if you never played golf, you'd want to be. And I, th- yeah. I think you hit all those those topics. I think that's great advice because I think a lot of kids get you know, enamored when they get there. And I said, you know, you guys got to remember, I mean, they're selling you filet and lobster and they're trying to get you to come here. And when you get there, you're going to be serving it because you're not going to be the, you know, they, yep. they've already got you. Not that it's, it's, it's not a cut to the coaches or the programs. It's just what it is. You've got to now earn your spot. Once you've got to college, you've got to, you know, figure out how to make the traveling team. And it's all back to the start again. And for some freshmen, yep. it's a tough, uh, transition. You know, they may have been the top dog when they left home and they get in there and they find, Oh my gosh, there's eight great players here. They're just as yeah. good as I am, and that's the that's the that's a tough transition. So you have to be aware, like you said, you got to have those other options to kind of enjoy the life. Uh, and, and coaches are, you know, they got to be able to juggle, you know, allowing the kids to be enjoying the experience and take part yep. or be part of it. So that is uh, that is a, some great advice you've given. But, it's a big adjustment. Yeah, you know, exactly for everybody, for the kids and the coaches. Absolutely, and they don't know. Coaches pay. don't always know the personalities when they get there either. Uh, nope. They may watch them play, and then they have to try to figure out their kids when they get there. There's a lot of ways once you get them there that you can do different personality tests, and you kind of understand it a little bit better. But you can't do that until they get there. So that's the the tricky part in recruiting for coaches. But yep. but you know, COVID's kind of been a, you know it's been 2020 has been one of those years we you know there's been some bad, yeah. but there's been a lot of good when it comes to golf. Golf's <laughs> really growing. I know a lot of clubs through Mississippi and around the country are having you know big. Sp- you know, just giant amounts of people coming out and playing. Uh, yeah. Have you seen an increase in your junior participation now that a lot of the summer sports were canceled? 100%. Yeah. Uh, I had 
I did four summer camps this year or this summer, and I averaged about 35 in each camp. Wow. Um, and that's with adding extra help than I normally would have so that the group sizes per coach would be smaller. Okay. To try to do our best with social distancing. Right. We had, we had a great sponsor in Chick-fil-A. They did, they did pre-boxed lunches for us so that when we got done, lunches were outside on the table. Kids were able to pick up their lunches and, and go eat at home. Um, since we couldn't gather inside, that's right. kind of my favorite part, eating lunch and seeing all the kids interact with each other. But uh, missed having that this year, but we were able to adjust and kind of and still have a great time. How do we uh, how do we keep momentum going? How do we keep that momentum going uh, when things kind of maybe settle down, whether it's this fall or next spring or whenever it does? How do we keep the momentum going and keep growing the game and getting kids involved? Just let, letting the parents know that there's always something for the kids to be doing out here. We always have something going on, whether it be one of my clinics or other clinics around or fall junior league, just pick up the phone and call and, um, or email me. And, uh, we always have something going on for kids, whether, whether it be those clinics, camps, junior league or lessons, always have something for a kid to come out here and do it and, and learn the game, love it and, and try to enjoy it that's 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 great advice and i've I've taken up enough of your time i know you got some kids probably taking some lessons and we appreciate you being on the podcast and oh man it's been great i I appreciate you well i kind of always end it this way whether life or golf you uh may have only one shot and you got to make it count and you've made it count you're making it count for a lot of kids and we appreciate you and your dad and how you guys are growing the game and and it's just been fun to see how since i moved here back in I guess 89 or 90 and seeing how golf has grown in Mississippi and just, uh, how lucky it's we're unreal, really. Yeah. I mean, just the, I think it's the instruction <laughs> people like you and VJ and Tim and all the club pros around there teaching the golf courses are better. Uh, and yeah. kids are playing They're They're more welcome to play, but we, we just appreciate everything you do for, for the juniors. I know they do. And we look forward to seeing uh, some of your kids get out there playing college golf maybe once in a while, maybe see one play a tour event. Yeah, same here. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jim. All right.